you where you were going 40 miles an hour. This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live Wide Open. Off the end of the back straightaway, Larson's going to send it. Larson's in the wall. Larson's on Hamlin's back bumper. Logano leads down the back straightaway. Keselowski's in line. Now he turns him. Both Team Penske cars crash. Keselowski is up in a ball of flame. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you. We are preparing to put Atlanta in the rear view and focus on New Hampshire this weekend, but there are matters to tend to, obviously. Quaker State 400 at the newly re-imaged Atlanta Motor Speedway did not disappoint. It gave us a couple great storylines to talk about. First of all, the Ross Chastain and the Denny Hamlin dust-up. Part two, I guess. Part one was at Gateway. Uh, And then part two happened over the weekend at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. We've got a great guest that will give us some perspective on this. By the way, Jeff Burton of NBC Sports is going to join us here in a moment. Plus, Corey LaJoy. And leading with three to go. Looked like he was going to score an upset. Didn't work out. Chase Elliott threw a block as Corey was going for the lead. Corey ended up spinning in the fence, finished 21st. But even though the box score says 21 next to Corey's name, that is by no means a disappointment in my opinion. Kudos and a tip of the cap to Spire Motorsports, Corey LaJoy, 
and what they were what they were able to accomplish. And it was just pitch strategy. It was speed on the racetrack. There were so many things that went right for a race team that seems to have challenges at some point throughout a race. Um, it was good to see Corey go for that win. And given the circumstance, that was a great learning opportunity for Corey over the weekend. Um, and perhaps maybe he'll take that, learn on it. And we will be talking about Corey LaJoy as a first-time winner in the NASCAR Cup Series. Came oh so close over the weekend at Atlanta. But um, we salute everybody over at Spire Motorsports and Corey LaJoy. And, and why don't we go and we bring in a gentleman who was there calling it on TV firsthand and saw it all unfold. Let's go to the hotline and we bring in Jeff Burton of NBC Sports. Jeff, welcome to NASCAR Live Wide Open. How we doing? I'm doing great. Hope you are. We are. We all are doing good. And uh, we're coming out of Atlanta. We were talking about Corey LaJoy just a few moments ago and what he was less than a lap away from doing. You were in the booth and you saw it unfold and happen there at Atlanta. What are your thoughts on what Corey LaJoy was able to put together on Sunday? Well, listen, Corey is... You know, Corey's a really good racer. Uh, you know, we've seen it, you know, in a K&N series when he was racing against a lot of those, his counterparts he's racing against today. Uh, he was able to beat those guys, and, you know, he's, he's very hungry, dedicated, he's committed, and, uh, you know, he doesn't drive the same equipment as a lot of those guys that he was beating back in those K&N days. And, you know, he's got a little chip on his shoulder about that, as he should, and he's uh, been learning you know, how to drive cars that don't have the same pace that some others have. And he knows there's some opportunities for him. And, you know, I thought you saw the very best of Corey on, on Sunday. I, I He's he's uh, hungry. He's willing to take chances when he needs to. I think he's learned when not to take chances driving equipment that, you know, isn't as fast as it always needs to be. And he did everything right. I mean, I know that's silly to say because he didn't win the race. Um just not knowing he could have done anything different. Maybe there was an opportunity to throw a block somewhere else. And maybe they all wrecked. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? But but I just thought he did a great job. And uh, more importantly than that, though, I think, you know, he's his mindset's right for, for Spire Motorsports. And he's, you know, I know he wants to drive better equipment. And I know Spire wants to get him better equipment. And hopefully there's, there's a way to get more funding there and to give Corey a little more opportunity to show what he can really do. What has this new race car done to teams like Spire? Because at the beginning of the season, a lot of folks thought, well, they're going to have all these teams that they run, you know, 20, 25th, 30th. They're going to be up there every week. It's not happened that way, but we've seen moments where teams have gotten better. How has the new car played into the development of some of the race teams we have in the garage right now? Well, I think what's happened is that, uh, you know, I've heard you talking about this. You know, teams aren't going to just all of a sudden become great race teams. Um, you know, it's just not that easy. Uh, but what happens is when you have something brand new, uh, there's opportunities for people to get it wrong, and there's opportunities for people to get it right. And so it does provide some opportunities for some smaller teams uh, to get it right and for more people to get it wrong. And, you know, we've seen major swings with I – mean, look at Joe Gibbs racing and, and really all the Toyota teams. They go to a, a racetrack, and they'll, they'll all run up front. They go to the next track, and they all run in the back. And so those days when they're running in the back need to match up with the days that you've done it right. And if you do, then you go pick up that many spots. And so that's really what it's done um, from a team standpoint, from a viewership standpoint. I, it's been, I mean, I don't know – 
that I would have expected the race in, on the mile and a half to be as good as it's been. It's been phenomenal. And and I wasn't I didn't know what to expect coming in the year. I thought we'd have great road course track races and not so good mile and a half and, and you know, maybe the opposite of that's happened. And and it's it's really surprised everybody. Speaking of doing things wrong and doing things right, a lot of the conversation this week has been around Chase winning, around Corey and the run that he had. But also the spotlight's been on another on-track dust-up with Ross Chastain and Denny Hamlin. It's the second time they've gotten together. They've talked once. Denny, at the end of the race, we saw on NBC and, and USA, is tired of talking. Where does this go next? What are the next steps between these two drivers, in your opinion? Well, I kind of view it differently than that. I think that Ross's problem is that Denny is one of 20 people that are mad at him. And I made that number up, but I think, you know, there's 12 drivers on the track that are just, have had enough. They say so. I'm not making it up. They say it. And you hear it during in-car, in-car, you know, radios during the race. You hear it post-race. I think a lot of attention is put on Denny and, and Ross for obvious reasons, but I think Ross's larger concern is maybe from someone we're not even thinking about because there's just so much. He's he's he Ross has done an incredible job of winning races, of getting top fives, of I mean he's done a great job, uh, but there's a lot of residue from it, um, more so than normal and I'm not saying he should do it different he's got to make that choice but there's a consequence to it and the, by the way there's a consequence to not being aggressive enough there's consequences to all of our actions uh, but he is he has made some enemies on his way through the truck series on his way through the Xfinity series and now into the cup series and the question is at what point does the garage say enough is enough because I have this theory about Earnhardt I think that Richard Petty and David Pearson and a lot of those guys, when Earnhardt was coming in, I have a feeling they wish they would have taken care of him earlier in his career and put him in situations that he didn't want to be in and then come back and say, we're not tolerating that. That's what they did with Ernie Irvin. Ernie Irvin changed. That's what, you know, they've done with other people. And, you know, how do they handle Ross? And, and Ross, but, but, you know, again, Ross is winning. A lot, a lot of the people that are mad of Ross, Ross is winning, and they're not. <laughs> so, so, but there's a consequence to your actions, and Ross will have to deal with that at some point. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens and how, how the garage responds to it. It's ironic you brought up the King and you brought up Pearson dealing with Earnhardt. Is it, is it different making amends in the garage in this day and age than it was in that era? And if so, how is it different? Well, I don't think it is. I think that I think that people make a lot out of it because technology changes, and people get for some reason frustrated if you, they hear a driver send a text to somebody by well, David Pearson would have done that. Well, okay, but maybe David Pearson didn't have an opportunity to text someone. Maybe he would have. <laughs> um, there, there, the garage is a community. It's no different than the neighborhood you live in. And when you go down the road, you're like, well, I don't really know those people. And oh, they're my buddies. I really like them. Mm, I don't like those so much. I don't like the way they do this and do that. It's no different. And 
people have different reactions and responses to those that are around them. And you have to find a way to connect, if you want to, to the person that you have wronged or has wronged you. And everybody does that differently. And But I do think, you know, you Kyle Petty and Dale Jarrett talk about it a lot. And they feel like there was more respect of from drivers to other drivers than what there is today. Um, I, you know, I don't know a hundred, they, they believe that they, so if they believe it, then I believe it. But, um, also David Pearson and Richard Petty and Dale Hart didn't race under this format. You can't tell me this format hasn't upped the aggression. There's no way it hasn't upped the aggression. So what would they have done at this format? That's something we don't know. So the sport has changed. We have, you know, last year we just had throwaway race cars. You run a race car for a week, two to three races, you throw it away and build a new one. That Richard Petty didn't do that. You know what I mean? So all that played into it as well. It's just a different environment. But overall, you have Earnhardt is a, was a rare dude. And everybody, anytime somebody wrecks somebody and win a race, everybody, Earnhardt, Earnhardt, Earnhardt. Well, no one in our sport could captivate a room. Could He was the voice of the sport, period. When he was the man, he was the voice. Well, he got by with some stuff because of that that others won't get by with. And that's, you know, every time I hear, well, Dale Earnhardt, he won seven championships. Well, Jimmy Johnson didn't race like that, and he won seven. Richard Petty didn't race like that, and he won seven. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So it's you have to fit into the sport in the way you think works for you. And everybody has a different opinion on, uh, you know, personally, everybody has a different opinion on how that is. Chatting with Jeff Burton of NBC Sports. Interesting that you're talking about Earnhardt being the voice of the garage. For a lot of years, people called you the mayor of the garage. What did that mean to you when you heard it? And how did you get that name? Well, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I know how I got it. Clint Boyer stuck it on me. Um, (laughs) uh, We were doing, they were, I don't remember. We were, it was a celebration of, of, I was had run X amount of races. I don't even remember what specifically what it was. There was the media there, and Clint told him, you know, that my impact was being the mayor of the garage, and you know, and so it stuck there. I mean, you know me. We've been we've you know known each other for a long time. I like being involved. I don't like sitting on the sidelines. If I'm going to be doing something, get me all in it. And uh, you know, the safety thing is really what started it. You know, when Adam and I mean, we saw. You know, we lost three young drivers, and I'm, you know, that just got me fired up about, you know, we don't, that's not acceptable. Like, we shouldn't be losing race car drivers. And anyway, that got me fired up and, and was willing to talk about it. And a lot of people didn't want to talk about it. And to be honest, a lot of people didn't want me talking about it. And I worked for Jack Roush. And of course, you know Jack Roush, and he's a pretty committed man, and if he believes in something, he doesn't mind twisting elbows and doing what he needs to do and he gave me the power to say hey you go do what you want to do i back you and that was empowering and it'll allow me to just be my own guy and, and get involved in that safety thing and it really really started from there and that was very controversial you remember mm-hmm. you know even talking about safety was controversial you aren't supposed to do it and now we talk about it every damn race you know I mean? it's just a, <laughs> such a different environment 
But you know, the interesting thing about you, and this is something I've always admired about you, in this day and age of hot takes, and you got to flame that one, you got to go after this one. When you make a point, you're saying the same thing, but you're going about it a different way in a much more diplomatic way. Was there an aha moment that happened for you where maybe you weren't as chosen with your words or you chose to go down a more heated path and all of a sudden you're like, you know what, maybe I'll handle things this way. You know, I wouldn't say that there was an aha moment. I just think that um, I just, that's some of my personality. Sometimes that works against me. Um, you know, I try to look at all sides because, you know, rarely are the times where people are, where when you're discussing opinions where somebody's just wrong. Like, I like to understand why do you have that opinion? And I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, I don't, I don't like just to assume that people are are one way or another. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I think that just you know that just comes through in how I comment about things. I you know I, I think I don't I think we too I think you and I could sit down and completely disagree about something, and uh, I would learn something from having that conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's just my personality, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's how I am, and I think that comes through when I have a comment about. It. Before we let you go, a couple other things I want to talk about. First of all, you made the transition from the race car to the broadcast booth, and you've been with NBC now for a few years. Was that an easy transition for you to make, and 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 how do you like being one of the voices that's able to talk about this week in and week out, especially from the second half of the season on? Well, I'll let others judge if it was an easy transition as far as the quality of my work. Um, for me personally, Yes, it was. I, I didn't know it at the time. Um, like, I was still fighting for my career. I was still fighting to win races. I was still fighting, believing I could go contend for a championship. I had a retirement plan in mind, but that retirement plan did not include a wind down in performance. Although that was happening, I believed that we were on the cusp of running better, but I always believed that. And, and, um, when I, when I, the first few months when I I mean kind of a, you know my aha moments I left our house in North Carolina and drove down the road or on an early Saturday morning and there was a farmer's market and I'm like damn people do things other than watch a race like what is, what is that I didn't know what I didn't know we had a damn farmer's market in our hometown and it kind of opened my eyes a little bit I know it's silly but it opened my eyes to there's much as I love racing, there are some other things, and I was able to take a year and do things with, with Kim and with the kids that I had, we hadn't done before. And so it was an easy transition for me, to be honest with you. It was a harder transition for, for uh, Kim because everything that we had done was to was revolved around racing. Like our kids came first, but Kim made the kids came first come first. I was my focus was on racing, and she adjusted her, her whole life to make that work. And it was a harder transition for her because I was always race, 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 and do whatever I got to do, and you know whatever. And then like the valve turned off. Like, okay, I'm good doing this. <laughs> and she's like, "What's wrong with you? Who are you?" So that it was a you know the whole family made that transition. It wasn't just me. 
Well, speaking of that, I don't want to overlook what Harrison accomplished over the weekend. Your son finished 10th uh, in the Quaker State 400, but I'll tie it into what you just said. You know, Kim made a lot of that stuff work with, with Harrison and the family while you were racing. Now that you have the ability to watch Harrison week in and week out from the booth, is it almost like you're reclaiming some lost time there because you lost a lot of time when you were doing one thing and Kim and the kids were off doing other things? You know, I, I, um, I hear what you're saying. I don't I don't view it. That's not how I look at it. Like, I, I kind of view my racing as we just did it as a family. And... And the kids knew I wasn't going to be there and some things that other dads might be there. But there was also some privileges that got created because of that, right? So mm-hmm. when I watch Harrison race or I watch my daughter ride horses or whatever that is, um, I'm glad that they're living their life. I'm glad that they're doing the things that they love to do. And I like to see them have those opportunities. Now, I also know that there's massive challenges. In, in trying to make a living being a race car driver. Like, it's massive challenges. And I know because I've been there, I don't know what my son, how he deals with things, but I know the challenges he's got to deal with. And they're real and they're massive and almost every driver has to deal with them. So when I watch him, I, I, I'm looking at the progress. I'm looking at... You know what he could be improving on i'm looking at it more like that than i am a sense of accomplishment because i know there's so much work to be done for everybody like if 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 let's just say ross chastain is winning races right now and doing everything that he's doing if he's not better two years from now he won't be good enough right. like you have to constantly be improving which is why older drivers eventually get moved out because they get to the point where they can't keep improving. I'm not so sure it's at the grade at, uh, that you get worse at what you're doing as much as you can't find a way to keep improving. And I think that when I watch my son race, that's what I'm thinking. Like, okay, here he is. There's a rookie. He's going to get his butt whipped. What's What do you do next so that the next race you don't get your butt whipped as much, right? It's just a progression and I look at it more from that standpoint than thinking, hey, my kid made it. Like, because, yes, he's made it to cup, but that just cracked the door to all the things that he's got to do to actually make it in the sport. It's two different things of being here and being successful. And he's dealing with all those things, and I'm watching him knowing how hard it is. And, um, you know, so it's a it's an interesting way to look at things. It's not maybe the most fun life to do it, <laughs> but that's just who I am and how I do it. Appreciate the take and the perspective, my friends. Always a pleasure. We could go on for hours, but we got to turn you loose and you got to get ready to go to New Hampshire this weekend. Appreciate you making time for us here on MRN and uh, we'll be tuned in on Sunday from the Granite State. Thank you, buddy. I expect to see some good races. Good talking to you. What a great conversation there and a great person, good friend. And I have the opportunity to work with him when I do radio style on NBC, Jeff Burton, classy guy, great family. And yes, Harrison Burton, 10th place over the weekend. That's gone largely overlooked with all of the headline issues of the week between Ross Chastain and Denny Hamlin and the Denny Hamlin signing Tyler Reddick for 2024 at 2311. So some kudos there to the Burton family. Now let's, let's look at New Hampshire. The Granite State, the Ambetter 301. 
Let's get a check of the odds. Brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Please bet responsibly. Producer Trey is here. Trey, what do you have for us this week? Mike, we've got some different looking odds for one of the first times this season. Pretty much every week I've come on here and I've said either Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson is the favorite going into the weekend. That is not the case this week. They are not in the top three. They are not in the top five favorites, even with Elliott's recent hot streak. This weekend at New Hampshire, Ryan Blaney is the betting favorite at plus 600. Kyle Busch right behind him at plus 650. And Joey Logano behind him at plus 700. You got to think that Hendrick being a little bit further down is because of their lack of speed at Gateway and the fact that the Fords with uh, Team Penske, Joey Logano winning at Gateway, and then, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing being up there as well with Martin Truex and and Kyle Busch, and the fact that the Fords were fast at Phoenix earlier this year too, you got to think that that plays into that as well. But my pick is someone we've talked about a lot on this show today, and a guy who was fast at Phoenix, and a guy who was fast at Gateway, Ross Chastain. I think all of the controversy surrounding him, I think he's going to go out and remind people this weekend that while Maybe the garage doesn't necessarily want him to win a championship this year, and a lot of people are using the talking point that the garage won't allow him to win a championship in 2022. I think he's going to join Chase Elliott with three wins this season. He is at plus 900 or 9-1 to at Phoenix. He was in that three-way battle with Chase Briscoe and with Tyler Reddick, and then at Gateway, he had all of those issues during that race, and he still came back to finish in the top 10. So I think Ross Chastain and Trackhouse goes to victory lane this weekend at New Hampshire. Some interesting long shots. Eric Almirola surprised everyone when he won that race there last year. He is at plus 2,000 or 20 to 1 this weekend. And as I mentioned, Chase Briscoe, he won at Phoenix, sat on the pole at Gateway, has shown a ton of speed at these flat one-mile tracks this year. He is at plus 2,800 or 28 to 1 this weekend. So some interesting favorites, not Elliott or Larson this weekend. Chastain's the pick at 9-1. to Briscoe and Almirola worth looking at as well as the long shots. Well, it'll be interesting to see if Hendrick Motorsports can continue their campaign at the front of the field just in Chase Elliott alone. He's won two of the last three. He's led the most laps in the last two. So we'll see what Chase and the rest of the Hendrick contingent can do. As Trey's keeping tabs on Eric Almirola, Chase Briscoe, Ross Chastain, you got time to get your fantasy teams and your picks for this weekend's race all buttoned up. We will take this weekend off. The Performance Racing Network will have you covered from New Hampshire. We will pick the schedule back up the following week with a mega racing weekend at Pocono Raceway. Be sure to tune in next week on NASCAR Live, NASCAR Live Wide Open, and then, of course, one week from Sunday, NASCAR Live Race Day. From the Pocono Raceway. Appreciate the download, my friends. For producer Trey, I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, thanks for checking us out. Do it early and often. And we'll look forward to reconnecting with you next week as we get set to head to Pocono. Until then, have a great week. So long, everybody. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. 
From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. Do you have an unused car, truck, motorcycle, boat, or RV taking up space? Put it to good use by donating it to the NASCAR Foundation. Proceeds help fund medical resources for children in our racing community. Your wheels can heal. Call 844-NASCAR-9 and we'll come tow away your vehicle for free. The process is quick and your gift is tax deductible. Call 844-NASCAR-9 to donate your vehicle to the NASCAR Foundation today. Your donation will help our children survive and thrive. 